0: Hey friends, you're listening to OKY. I'm your host, Michael Grove. Today is February 28th, and we are here in the Bible reading plan, reading through the book of Acts. Getting pretty close to the end here, friends. Tonight we are reading Acts chapter 19. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyranus. This went on for two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, "'I must visit Rome also.' He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Aristus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together, along with the workers in related trades, and said, You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be desecrated and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia in the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Soon, the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front and they shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, They all shouted in unison for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, Though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If, then, Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened today. In that case, We would not be able to account for this commotion, since there is no reason for it. After he had said this, he dismissed the assembly. This concludes the reading of Acts chapter 19. Let me give you a few thoughts before we end our time together. Okay, so this is one of my favorite chapters in the book of Acts. You have such a crazy story. Let's start with the seven sons of Sceva. This was a Jewish priest, and his sons were there, and they had seen the works that Paul had done. Everybody was talking about it. In fact, we get that from this chapter. Demetrius says that practically the whole province of Asia has heard Paul's words. In addition, they have seen the works that the Holy Spirit has done through Paul. I mean, in verse 12, it says that handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched Paul were taken to the sick. And their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Okay, let's just pause there for a moment. I don't know about you, but I want that type of power in my life. I want to be able to know that God is going to move through me in such a mighty way that even a handkerchief or an apron of mine will be able to touch someone. And through that, the power of God in the anointing that he's placed on my life would flow through into them, not because of me, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit actively working in me. In fact, if you don't mind, I want to stop right now and pray for that over all of us, that God would allow His Spirit to do that in us as well. So Father, thank you that your power is real. Thank you that you are alive and active and moving about. Lord, will you pour your spirit out in us in such a mighty way that when we talk to people, when we walk alongside of them or brush up against them, that they would see the power of God actively move in their life and be healed. Lord, I pray that in every moment of every day, no matter where we're at, no matter what it is that we're doing, will you just use us in a way that sets people free and brings them salvation and healing So, Lord, anoint every person that's listening to this right now that the power of God would move in and through them. Holy Spirit, have your way. Move in us, breathe over us, and set us apart to be yours to do whatever it is you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, felt like I needed to do that, and I pray that you receive that today, and God fills you with his power. But let's keep talking about this story for a minute. So these seven sons of Sceva, this Jewish priest, they've seen everything that Paul is doing, and they want that same anointing on them. Yet they still didn't understand the power of God. So they walk up to someone who is demon-possessed, and they say, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And this is crazy, because the evil spirit answers them and says, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about. But who are you? Listen, friends, you can't live off of anyone else's faith. You have to have a deep understanding of who God is if you want him to use you in ways that will make a difference. Search for him, understand him, know him, draw into his presence, and just see what he does as he anoints you the way he anointed Paul. But the craziest thing happens because they didn't know God for their own selves yet, it wasn't personal to them. This evil spirit causes this man to jump them, beat them up, and send them out of the house naked and bleeding. Now, this next part is super important, because everybody hears this, and it says that they were seized with fear, and the name of the Lord was held in high honor. This isn't being afraid of God. This is having such reverence for him, that they realize they don't want to mess anything up. So they're willing to set aside everything in order to focus on God. So listen to what happens. A number who practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. Okay, just listen to what that's saying. That's verse 19, by the way. They were practicing sorcery, yet trying to say they were following the Lord. I know that sounds crazy, right? Can I tell you, though, today so many people open themselves up to things that are not godly? I said this last year when we read this same chapter. If we were to go through your Netflix or Prime accounts and look at the things you've been watching, would you have anything on there that you'd be ashamed of? Is there anything that points away from Christ instead of toward Him? In fact, as I scroll through Netflix... I see that there's so many movies that are based on the occult or on magic or demons. There's even a Netflix cartoon out there. It's for adults, but it's the daughter of Satan trying to defend hell so that nobody could take it away from them. I mean, do you realize what we've allowed into our homes and not even realizing what it's doing to us? I wonder if we can't have the full power of God in our lives like Paul did because we've allowed too many other things to get in the way. Or let's look at your Spotify account. What kind of music are you feeding your ears? What are you listening to? What is the message that you allow to keep going into your head and captivating your thoughts? Because if it's not drawing you closer to God, it's doing the same thing that these books of sorcery were doing that these people of Ephesus were holding on to. Look, I'm all for a good movie, I love all types of music. However, I refuse to allow something to captivate me that isn't going to also pull me towards Christ. There has to be a balance where I understand the most important thing is my determination to grow and become like Christ, to be filled with His power in every way. Okay, so let's get to this next part. Paul stayed in the synagogue for three months but people were just obstinate towards him and wouldn't listen. So he went and rented his own lecture hall and began to preach to all the people that would come and hear him. Verse 10 tells us that for two years, all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia would come and listen and heard the word of the Lord. Can I just tell you that even though there's a lot of weird ideologies and evil things that are taught all around you, you might not know this or not, But people are still hungry for truth, and they need the word of the Lord because it is the only truth that will set them free. But you have to have the tenacity to say, I'm going to keep talking truth and preaching the word, even if nobody wants to hear it. We'll get back to that in just a second. But in Ephesus, there was a great disturbance because Demetrius is a silversmith. Now, in Ephesus, there was the temple of Artemis. And Demetrius was making little shrines that people would buy before they went up to the temple and worshipped this false god. But as everyone heard Paul, they started turning away from these false ideologies and stopped buying his shrines. So he was basically going out of business. And when he investigated what was happening, he realized nobody's coming to him anymore because they're believing these words of Paul. So he gathers everybody together Informs a riot. Now, this is my favorite part because everybody is brought together into one place. And it says that while they are there, everyone just started shouting. Listen to verse 32. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. This reminds me a lot of some of today's conversations when you start talking sexuality or life or gender people wrapped up in culture are willing to say whatever comes to their mind in order to try to mess with the conversation it's almost as if confusion cloaks the fact that what they're saying makes absolutely no sense it's how we can take something that has been known throughout all of mankind and all of a sudden say well actually That was just a social construct. And then twist everything to try to make sense in a way that doesn't make any sense at all until everybody's confused and everybody's just wondering, what are we talking about? Well, that's what was happening here in this confusion. People were shouting one thing, some another, and it says that most of the people did not even know why they were there. So here is my only word of warning for you. If you're ever in a conversation with someone who's just talking in circles and they don't even know why they're talking or what they're talking about, it's time to move on from that conversation because they don't care about the truth. They just care about the confusion that's cloaking the fact that there isn't truth in the middle of what they're saying. So Paul wants to get up and address the people, but they warn him not to. And so he doesn't and he leaves them. And eventually, someone has to come in and settle everybody down because the place was chaotic. So while this story might seem crazy, there's one thing I want you to notice. What was it that got everybody in an uproar? What caused them all to get to this spot where they're yelling back and forth and they don't know what to do? Well, it was the truth illuminating the darkness. You see, when you bring truth to a conversation... It causes people to squirm because those that are holding on to the darkness, that are holding on to the lies, they know that they are exposed, yet they don't know what to do. So they just try to bring more confusion. Yet those who understand what you are trying to say, those who see the truth, they turn from their ways and they begin to move away from their false ideologies and their idolatry. Either way, It changes a community. See, friends, we are called to bring light to truth. We are called to bring the gospel to life. And as we do that, watch and see what happens to society around us as we bring forth the word of truth. But it takes people bold enough and honest enough to say, I would do whatever it takes to have the anointing of God in my life so that he could use me however he wants to use me. Because if we can do that, we will see a community that is transformed. And I don't know about you, but I want to see the world around me get rid of the evil. I want to see the name of the Lord lifted high. Not just because I believe in Christianity or I believe in the Bible, but because God's way is good and pleasing and perfect. And I'm tired of this broken world that doesn't make any sense at times. I want the power of God so alive and active that it makes an uproar to those who are confused by confusion, that it illuminates the ideologies and the idolatries that are pulling people away from God, and then let it cause people to be drawn to the living God, the only real source of healing, hope, and power, and as that happens, let our world look completely different that we would see the kingdom of heaven come down to earth and it would set people free and bring life. That's all the time we have left for today. I love you and God bless.